Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. This week's episode is a recording of one of our Global Autism Community exclusive events. The topic of this roundtable discussion was dating and relationships. Participating in this event were autism self-advocates Olivia Hopps, Thomas Island, Mary Johnston, Scott Edgar, Taylor Duncan, and David Sharif, as well as community members Danielle Terrell, Ben Sharif, and Kia Burton. In today's conversation, we discuss different ways to meet people, how to navigate moving from a friendship to a relationship, creating a healthy relationship when one person is neurotypical and the other is neurodivergent, long-distance relationships, memorable dates, common challenges autistic people face when it comes to dating, and dealing with breakups. In this episode, discover what's possible when love begins with acceptance. To learn more about the participants in this discussion, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. Roundtable discussions like the one you'll hear today are open exclusively for members of our online Global Autism community. We select a different theme each month, and our moderators monitor posts daily to ensure that our online space remains safe and respectful. If you'd like to attend and participate in any of our future events, you can sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you the Global Autism Community. Hey, Rachel. Hey, hi, Olivia. Hi, Thomas. My name's Olivia. Hi, Olivia. Nice to meet you. Hi, Mary. Hi. Good to see everyone again. Hey, David. Hey, Rachel. Welcome to the community, Olivia. Thanks so much, David. It's because of you I'm here. So thanks. This is what I do. I tirelessly think of new people to include because we've got thousands and thousands of Individuals on the spectrum, professionals supporting those on the spectrum. This is why it's called the Global Autism Project. We are driven to connect with people from all over the world. And this is what we will continue to do for the rest of our lives. Amazing. That's so amazing. Well, I'm so glad you found me and thank you for all the work you put in. You're welcome. Let's go around and do some brief introductions to welcome Olivia to the community. So who would like to go first? I'll break the ice. I'm Thomas Island. I'm in Santa Clarita, California, just north of Los Angeles, and I'm a Toastmasters Air National accredited speaker, as well as a life coach and a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. And I'm actually going to be leading a a workshop on dating and relationships through the Ed Asner Family Center here in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. That's what I've got coming up starting on Monday the 28th. And I look forward to sharing some of my stories and 
expertise here is sort of like a practice or preparation for that workshop. Oh, good timing. Fantastic. I will go next if that's okay. I'm Mary and I own a blog called Autistic Rainbow 15 where it's kind of like a lifestyle blog, but it's also like I talk about topics about being autistic and kind of how autistic people can like work through certain issues and things like that. Amazing. I'll have to check it out. Thanks, Mary. All right. I'll continue the ice breaking. I am David Sharif, magna cum laude graduate of Pace University with a degree in poli-sci and peace and justice studies, global autism advocate and motivational speaker, and a proud community moderator with the Global Autism Project. And believe it or not, this will certainly be one of the hardest but most unforgettable of the roundtables. And this is roundtable number eight that I am moderating. Cool. I can go next. I'm Kia. I'm also one of the moderators with the Global Awesome Project. You um, also might have heard from me, Olivia, from Instagram. So sometimes oh. I do some posts on there as well. Um, okay, hi. Uh, Yeah, and then I'm a board-certified behavior analyst. Currently, I focus on um, training and professional development. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to this roundtable. I've seen a lot of good conversations so far in the community, so I'm definitely excited to, you know, hear everybody's perspectives and just have a very open and um, safe space for discussion. My name's Taylor Duncan. I'm the CEO, founder, and president of Alternative Baseball, where we set up groups across the United States working on physical and social skills. And on the side, I'm working on getting my public speaking career back up and going from the dreaded COVID virus. (sighs) Okay. Got it. Well, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Scott. I'm from Orlando, Florida. So I heard all the Tom Brady comments and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I didn't watch the Super Bowl this year. I watched a new show on Peacock called Bel Air, which was a spinoff of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and it was really, really good. Oh, cool. And I'm a self advocate for myself here in Orlando. Awesome. Hi, I'm Danielle. I'm a behavior therapist, and I recently got my master's in developmental disabilities, and I'm a future school corpse traveler. Thanks, Danielle. Hi, I'm Ben Sharif, older brother of David Sharif. I'm currently based in Brooklyn, New York, and I am a documentary filmmaker and freelance video editor. Great to be here. Great to see you, bro. Welcome. Love you. Love you, too. My name is Olivia. I'm 26 years old. I live in San Diego, California. I own my own business and I was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder two years ago in January 2020. And it was the best day of my life because my whole life I've wondered why I am the way I am, why my brain works the way it does. And I've been searching for answers to those questions. And when I was finally diagnosed, my whole life made sense. All right. So this month's theme is dating and relationships. 
And as Kia said, there's already been some great conversation going on in the community. So I'd like to start off with talking about different ways that you can meet people. And if you have any personal experience you want to share, you can go ahead and unmute. And I'd love for this to be just an open conversation so we can ask each other questions. You don't really have to wait for me to call on you, but out of respect for making sure that everyone's voice is heard, we like to practice something called nos dueso, which is no one speaks twice until everyone speaks once. All right. So yeah, there are different ways that you can meet people, right? Whether it's in person or through other friends or family, or nowadays, very common to meet people online. So would anyone like to share any personal experiences or any tips for the community? So another place personally you can meet people is in like school settings. I met someone that I was in a relationship a couple of years ago at my middle school. We're not together anymore um, for different reasons, but also my brother who's getting married a little bit down the line actually met his girlfriend at college. So you can meet people through social media and like real life and work, but I think you can also meet them in like a school setting. Yeah, great point. Out here in Santa Clarita, where I live, we have a lot of uh, nonprofits and small businesses. And I know a, a professional networker actually who told me the magic happens at the party you didn't want to go to. So every now and then I'll get some invites for like a networking mixer or some kind of event. And I'm thinking, do I, does that really look good? I end up going for it though. And I meet some fun and interesting people. Like we'll find out that we have a lot in common and then we'll exchange phone numbers or business contacts, maybe get coffee or maybe I'll get a coaching lead or something from it. I've also met a number of people through the website Meetup. If anybody's ever heard of meetup.com, this is a way way for you to search for specific uh, hobbies or sports or activities that you might like. And there are people in your area that probably like that activity, sport or hobby as well. So you can arrange to go on like hikes, for example, and meet people that way. That's some of the ways that I've met people recently. Yeah, I love that because you're already paired together through that common interest. I met my boyfriend at work and I know work's little um, iffy at the moment with COVID and a lot of people work from home right now. But um, if things ever go back to how they were, that's how I was able to meet my boyfriend. And I met a lot of friends there as well. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Olivia. I met my husband actually through our sisters. So I guess you could consider we we did meet in person, but we met through other people. So his older sister and my older sister actually went to college together and they're really, really good friends. And they had this bright idea to hook up their little siblings together. He was actually coming in town the same weekend I was back in town from college. So we met in person, but the initial introduction was, you know, through our sister. So that's how we met. It's always interesting to hear these stories. I met my husband through a, or at a 4th of July party. (laughs) And um, there were fireworks. I was going to say, talk (laughs) about fireworks. (laughs) (laughs) 
I met my boyfriend in college. Um, I was a freshman and he was a senior, but we actually didn't start dating until last year. So we met almost 10 years ago. And then through mutual friends who knew how I felt about him and how he felt about me. But of course, we didn't know about each other until last year. So now we're together. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting how you move from that friendship into something a little bit more romantic. Sometimes it can take time, years even. Maybe we could transition to that topic next. Does anyone have anything they'd like to share about that? I was in a relationship with a, a woman. It was a long distance one. We were pen pals for about 10 years. And we met through my aunt. That's my mother's sister. And we both love Star Wars. So that was like the foundation of our friendship. And we'd see each other at Christmas time. I would go to where she was or her neck of the woods and make some time to me at Christmas time. And so after about 10 years of long distance pen palling, uh, she told me that she wants to be my girlfriend or she likes me more than a friend. And I didn't really think of her that way, but I didn't have a, a girlfriend at the time. I was interested in having a relationship. So we decided to take things to the next level. And shortly thereafter, she ended up moving from rural Illinois to suburban Los Angeles, moved in with me. So we moved pretty quickly, even though we had been physically distant for all those years. And in hindsight, I think I probably should have spent some more time with her in person before making that kind of a leap. That's how we ultimately took things to the, the next level in our relationship. Yeah, you learn a lot about someone once you move in with them. Yes. I um, grew up with a guy that was my best friend and we we never started dating, but I did grow romantic feelings for him in uh, high school. And it was a tricky situation because I loved being his friend so much. And we were such close friends and our families were really close friends. I mean, I like all through middle school and early high school, like I would spend the night at their house. I mean, they're like my second family. And so it was a tricky subject because I didn't want to ruin the friendship or mess anything up with our families. So I ultimately just suppressed the feelings. I'm not sure that was a good idea, but um, that's kind of my experience with that. It, it was a tricky thing. Um, but if I could go back, I probably would have at least said something because it's better to regret something you did than something you didn't do. And at times I regret not doing that because now we're not even really friends at all anyway. So uh, we could have ended up in the same situation. Yeah. Sorry, I broke the rule that I said and I didn't give David Scott, Ben or Taylor a chance to respond or comment on anything before moving on. So I just want to open it up to you guys. I kind of want to relate to Tom's response about a site called meetup.com. On Facebook, I am a part of the Meet You post-grad dating group, which has like thousands of people on there, right in their 20s, in college stuff, trying to search for the right person to be with. Some other friends of mine are on there as well. The tradition is that every Monday is like match Monday. So I get an email from them telling me who my potential matches are. 
sometimes I send them a message about wanting to get to know them. But then at other times, I go on calls to build friendships. And it has taught me that even if you've tried to reach out to somebody and if they didn't reply to you, then it's not their problem. It's not your problem. And if you don't hear back from anybody, you're not doing anything wrong. I sent over 10 of them. I've probably only gotten two. And it shows that if the person doesn't get back, it doesn't. And it can tell that may not be the right person for you. So don't get too frustrated or don't give up too quickly if that ever happens to you. Yeah, that's great advice. And you're putting yourself out there, which is really brave. You know, kind of like what Olivia was saying about regret for not saying something. At least you're trying. Yeah, I'm also on other apps as well, but I try to balance out everything as fairly as possible. Yeah. Well, well, well. I was guilty of actually being on online dating as soon as I turned 18. I was always excited about the opportunities to perhaps network more, more so for the friendship and developing those skills that I didn't really get to have as a drawback of being homeschooled because of certain things that happened when I was in public school. But really, when it comes to online dating, I felt like that for a lot of people on there, 99% of people on there, it feels like a game rather than dealing with real people. When you have a smartphone and society goes the, the fast way that it does, it feels like if you don't tick all the boxes to fulfill their own selfish desires, then whoops, you lose. And then it's like that over and over and over. You just keep getting ghosted and ghosted and ghosted. But you realize that a lot of those people, they don't want to be your friend. They want the one thing and they want one thing only. And that's to show everybody else that they can have a relationship with anybody and everybody in the world so that they can look like that they're keeping up with the Joneses and the rest of society instead of focusing what it is that they really need to focus on doing themselves to become that good partner for them. That's the big frustration that I had with it. And now, correct, I'm no longer utilizing that. And I did have some of a, one of a crush recently back in November of a friend that I knew for four years. And I had grown feelings for this woman through my work. And really we used to talk. And then after COVID hit, it's like, and nobody heard from her in a year, but it was like, it was very hard to tell how to deal with some of those situations and some of those feelings that come up, especially if you've never actually felt them before from an authentic point of view, which I can't explain how that is, because that's still hard to describe as of now, as for the rest of you that have had those feelings, you know, I probably know how to describe them better than I do. But unfortunately, that friendship ended up dying after four years and it it was terrible it, it sucked the way that it ended but I learned a lot to be able to take it to the future for what it's worth and I pray to God one day that I'm that he finds me the right one and if it doesn't happen well at least I got to say that I got to enjoy life to the fullest 
Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Sure thing. She probably won't like it if she hears this, but. And now, so it sounds like maybe there was a lot going on for her at that point. Correct. And she spent a lot of time. She was on multiple different dating sites at the same time. And at the same time, she was bashing the men that she had been with from those sites on her TikTok and making it seem like that she was taken advantage of, which she probably was because she wants to find love like everybody else in the world. But at the same time, too, oh, gosh, it's 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 tough. It's terrible. And then sometimes she does some pretty questionable things on her TikTok and says some questionable things. And that, too, can set somebody on edge, especially if you're not communicating back and forth with another, which one time when I was trying to get a hold of her, she does have different jobs. She does work and I, I do too. But the thing about it is I was growing feelings for her and I felt like I had to hurry up and rush it because she was on all those sites that I felt like I would miss my turn just like I did the other two times she ended up with somebody else. Mm. And not only did I have to rush it and go, hmm, it ended up causing so much anxiety that I ended up having somewhat of a breakdown sort of over text. And yeah, I felt like that if communication was better, it wouldn't have gotten to that point. And that's another thing I learned too, was maybe I'm an over overthinker, but maybe I'm not. I don't know because I asked for honesty and I didn't get it. Yeah, that can be really frustrating. Communication is key. Mm -hmm. That's why I joined Toastmasters. <laughs> Scott, do you have anything to share? Yeah, I do actually. I have a theory. The older you get, the harder it is to date. Pretty much because in college, like when I first started really dating, because in growing up, I lived in 10 different places from preschool to college. And pretty much those people who I dated were people who I pretty much had the same interest in and stuff like that. But pretty much a lot of people, once they graduate from college, they get married and today's society sometimes well more than 50 percent is going to end divorce and no one really doesn't want to you know date someone who has kids because they just don't want the responsibility and or the person's just not their type and they don't have kids just from what i've seen on monday night mainly my mom suggested this because she thought it'd be nice for me to do this I asked my ex if she wanted us to have dinner and this was a girl that dumped me on the week of her birthday when I just got us reservations for Fleming's, which is a really nice restaurant. And her parents would literally just let the air out of our relationship. Like they would forget that I'm not the only autistic person in this relationship. And they thought just because they had a lot of money, they could just, you know, treat me like dirt and stuff like that. And every time I would literally just stand up for myself, it wouldn't go that well. And the thing that really let the air out of the relationship is one time her dad yelled at me for something that I didn't even do. And of course I wanted to walk out the door, but I'm like, no, 
I came to pick you up for dinner. We have dinner. I just took her home and my parents, her parents got into it. And her mom is the head of Special Olympics in all of Orlando, pretty much. And I see a lot of people dating Special Olympics, but I'm the only athlete who's independent and drives and has a job and stuff like that. So it feels like if you want to date someone, you got to deal with a Karen too, or a mom. And it's like, you might as well sign a contract while you're at it too. And here in Orlando, a lot of people, they just want to, you know, hook up with tourists and everything and just have a good time. And I've tried dating sites and I've given up on all of them. Churches, I've just literally gotten scared out, scared out of churches and stuff like that. Reason why I really haven't been talking to much, it's been a rough week because Monday, what happened and yesterday I got turned down for a job that I've been wanting for eight years and that's why I moved down here. And this morning I woke up and I, it turns out I got turned down by another job. I mean, another company for that same job, like buzz for people who are more accepting towards those with autism and actually train their staff on autism. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like you've been having a rough week. It has my, of course, my parents keep on saying, son, you need to like, you know, work out a little. My mom, dad, I work out every day. I'm sorry, but there are some things that are just, you know, more important than sports to me. Sorry, but Hmm. like, for example, like if I've gone to a church for a while and like six months, for example, ask her out to coffee, someone gets jealous. They tell the youth pastor, the youth pastor grills me. And I tell them like, look, sorry if I'm you know, offending anyone have autism. They're like, no, you don't have an autism problem. You have a sin problem. So it's just like later. Wow. That is tough. It's just because a lot of people keep on saying, oh, you're independent. That's awesome. And I'm like, it's not all rainbows, farts, and unicorns, guys. Trust me. There's a lot of homesickness involved and you got to fend for yourself. Yeah. This kind of leads into our next topic because you brought up that you're independent and some of the people that you've dated maybe weren't as independent as you are. And so there can be different levels of need in a relationship, autistic or not. And um, it's important to create kind of a healthy balance, right? So sometimes you might have a situation where one person is neurotypical and one person is neurodivergent. So does anyone have anything they'd like to share about how to make sure that relationship is healthy? I do. Okay. Just try to, you know, accept the fact, let them accept the fact that, you know, you are autistic and, and it's just something, you know, you're born with, you didn't ask for it. Like the biggest problem here in Orlando is Special Olympics and just the whole community itself. They take a huge focus on Down syndrome. And they think it's pretty much the only disability because it's pretty much like on every single ad for every business, every special Olympic ad. And the city just focuses more on that. And a lot of autistic places, their definition of independence is just having kids run around at a Dave and Buster's or ship them off in a group home. So it's really, so it's really not learning the things you need to be learned. Hmm. Just a lot of prejudice against autism here. Yeah. I'm asking myself if I want to live here. It's been two years. I actually, I actually used to live in Orlando, and I agree that dating is very hard. Um, as you mentioned, there's a lot of tourists. 
um, a lot of people that are in college, so transients coming in and out. Um, so I definitely can feel what you mean when you said it's difficult to date in Orlando, but um, you know, you have to do what you feel is right. And if you think if you're ready for a next step, and maybe to move somewhere else, maybe. I really don't know where the next step is, and I can't even go back home to Missouri. When I was young and first mentioned that I wanted to have a girlfriend, uh, my parents gave me the idea that I wouldn't be successful in a relationship unless the girl was also on the autism spectrum. So I kind of had that in the back of my head as I moved forward. But over time, I found that I was having productive, successful relationships with older and younger women on and off the autism spectrum. So I was able to experiment go beyond my comfort zone and not let my parents or other limiting beliefs get in my way. And I think that made me a better person for it. And I believe that anybody can date the person that they want to. And if it's a good fit, more power to you. If not, hopefully you learn something from that experience that you can take with you into future relationships. Olivia, your boyfriend is neurotypical, right? Yes. He's about as opposite of me as <laughs> you can get, um, which I think is why we work. And I know a lot of people have asked me like, oh, is your boyfriend also autistic? And I say no. And <laughs> I say, I don't think I could date somebody on the autism spectrum because if they're anything like me, I don't think I could handle, I can barely handle <laughs> myself sometimes. And so that's why I think we work so well because I'm like so uptight and anxious and like need a strict routine. And he's just like so laid back and can go with the flow. And I feel bad because sometimes I feel like my needs are put above his because he can adapt so well and I have trouble adapting. So to make really both of our lives easier so that I don't have a meltdown or something, he'll sacrifice things for me just because he honestly doesn't really care, which I can't quite wrap my brain around because I can't imagine like not caring about certain things. And it's like, I wish I was more like him in a lot of areas. Like I wish I could have a regular job and just go to work every day and like be happy and that's fine and not have anxiety and can deal with changes. But, you know, I can't, um, like Scott was saying, like we're born this way, we don't ask for it and there's nothing, you know, we can really do. We can have tips and techniques to make it better, but we can't get it to go away. Alex, my only boyfriend, I never dated through high school and I met him when I was 18 at work and he's five years older than me. And so I don't have like a lot of tips and techniques for dating since I've kind of just had him, but I know my friend, Amanda, and she's not autistic, but she kind of was saying the same thing as um, a couple other people did about dating in San Diego and Los Angeles. She's been in both just how it's very transient and people are not really looking for anything serious. And she's really wanting something serious. And it's, she's had a lot of fails on the dating apps as well. And she doesn't know what it'll take to get a serious relationship in this city. She always says like, I wish I was somewhere like more in a small town or something. And I have to say, like, I always thank God for giving me Alex because I would definitely not want to be in her shoes because the way my brain's wired, I don't think I would (laughs) handle that very well. So thankfully Alex can, 
just be like my, I always say he's my best medicine because he can make me laugh and can pull me out of a meltdown where nobody else has. And somehow he doesn't annoy me, which I always think it's so funny. That's how I know he's the one because I can be with him 24 seven, 365 and he's fine. Whereas anybody else, I can't stand for more than like a few hours. Um, but yeah, that's that I would say that's the benefit of maybe dating a neurotypical is maybe they can't fully understand what you're going through. And Alex, I knew him way before I was diagnosed autistic. Obviously I'm still the same person and I saw the same struggles and now I just have the answer to them. But I couldn't see myself dating another autistic person because we would have the, so many similar challenges and I can barely like handle my own challenges. So I don't know how I would be like a good partner and be able to take care of them. And I could understand their challenges, but I'm not sure I'd be able to help them when I can't really help myself a lot of the times. Okay. That's an interesting perspective. Does anyone have a different idea about that? that maybe they would feel more comfortable dating a fellow autistic? God says yes. Mary, what do you think? For me personally, I think dating an autistic person would be easier just because you're kind of like on the same level of like interests and you can kind of like relate to each other. But it can also be difficult because... Me as an autistic person, it's hard to understand people in general, let alone with other autistic people. There can be a lot of like clashing with like needs and wants because it can be hard looking at the person you're trying to be in a relationship with and be like, well, what do you want from me? And then they're kind of like, well, what do you want from me? That's kind of, in my opinion, the hardest thing is keeping up with constant communication that's just clear and easy to understand because I feel like. That's always been my biggest challenge. I don't know if it's other autistic people's, but I would also say like sometimes it can be a struggle like doing things that they want to do, like going to the movie theater, for example, or the mall because of like all the stimulation. So I think it's important to find middle ground and be like instead of a movie theater maybe we could do it like at home like we could watch a movie at home with like popcorn or something just to kind of make everyone happy i also wanted to add on to the the story i told earlier about the woman who moved from rural illinois to be with me uh she was also on the autism spectrum and i found out shortly after she moved in with me that we were on two completely different levels developmentally. Like I'd had services and supports in high school growing up and I understood why I was getting that help and it helped make me who I am today. Whereas she had no support, no services her entire childhood. So there was a lot of information gaps and she wanted to like be a graphic artist. So my mother and I are getting support for her, like a, a job coach, a independent living specialist, a career counselor, all this help that would help her get that goal of becoming a graphic artist. Well, she called her parents back in Illinois. They're also on the autism spectrum. And the mother responded, they're looking to change you. Don't let them. And so my now ex-girlfriend was resisting all of the help that she was receiving under the impression that she wasn't okay the way she was when really my mother and I were attempting to help her live the life that she wanted. 
And I figured it took me a long time to become who I am. I'm going to give her patience, time to do what she needs to do. And about four years went by and I turned 30 and I reevaluated my life. I asked myself, do I want a repeat of the last four years where I'm shooting for the stars and she's having trouble leaving the launch pad? And I said, no. So that's when I had to end it. Mm. Yep, David. To my understanding, I was in a relationship once starting at the end of junior year of high school to the beginning of senior year. And while I was hoping for the best, it unfolded in the blink of an eye when I came home from sleepaway camp and just feeling unbelievably surprised with too many messages that I spent over an hour reading. And then even well before we were dating and even well during high school, everyone knew what my post high school plans were. And because of our different levels of learning and because of who wanted to do what was best for who, it was like going back and forth. And then she knows what I wanted to do after high school. And then I understand what the plans she might have that would suit best for her. But then it's like sometimes she gets the feeling that how can I talk to you if you're not in California? And I'm like, you know, I'm a direct message away. You can always, you, you can always call me. And then it, it's like, it doesn't mean I will be there forever, but I will definitely take time off and then come home. And then the frustrating part is that every time I am busy with stuff or have limited time, then I, I get annoyed. And even one time during finals, when I was studying for an exam, she kept messaging me when I'm saying, sorry, I'm studying, I'm studying. And sadly, the relationship ended in senior year because it has been affecting my routine, my study plans, and other things I want to do, like blazing new trails. And as much as I hoped for it, ending as maturely as possible. The person I broke up with chose the wrong thing by not giving me the respect I deserve, which harshly ended the friendship the way I was not hoping to. Mm. It, it happens. Again, like I said, a lot has changed since then. To my beliefs, I am not opposed to dating a neurotypical or someone else on the spectrum. All that matters is proper communication, things to be aware of, and definitely some coaching to, to have, which thankfully my mother has been giving me some sources for. Much like that, I'm doing a bit of reading as well, and I did some yesterday. And a bit of movie watching, but to conclude my speaking part in this, I don't want any of you to learn this the hard way, that just because something magical happened in a movie does not mean that it will just happen in reality or something. Something in a film or in a book does not mean it's 
completely real. You have to make it real, and so does your partner. It's the mutual agreement of that real relationship between you and that person. Has anyone else been in a long-distance relationship and want to speak about that? I've never been in a relationship nor really went on a date, but if I knew that there was someone out there that I knew had the same interests that I did, that I knew was in it to contribute in a half and half way to where we're contributing positively to each other, you know, like that chemistry. Those who I know would fulfill my needs and I could fulfill their wants and needs makes the best chemistry. And I would go anywhere in the world for that, anywhere in the world for that. Mm-hmm. After everything that I've had to go through as somebody on the spectrum that constantly faced rejection, it makes that one, whenever they come around, whenever she comes around in my case, it makes it all that more special because it's that opportunity that a lot of people have said that, no, it'll never happen. No, it, it can't be possible. No, you're out of your mind. No, you're delusional and all this other stuff. And for me, it's about finding the right one. I go anywhere possible for it. But I did know some, I know a lot of those that I've talked to over online dating and those avenues there, uh, they tell you one thing and then they completely act in the opposite way. What I'm saying is that there's a Christian girl that I met. Well, she said she was a Christian. And then she waited about six months into when we were talking to tell me, Oh, I I didn't tell you that I was um, an atheist. And so they'll tell you one thing to get you hooked and to get you reeled in like a little like your bait on a fishing rod. And then they hope and they're going to reel that big fish in and think that, well, they think they're going to win them over like that and wait until after a while to tell them the real truth. So you don't know who to really trust. Oh, that makes it hard in the online world. Scott, were you going to say something? Uh, Yeah, back to what you're saying about long distance. When I was in college, back in 2013, I did the Disney College program in Orlando, and I did my absolute best to try to get my ex-fiance to come with me. And I got in at the very first time, and when I got my acceptance letter, I told her, hey, getting jeep with me she's like why we're gonna we're going to your parents house why they show them i could actually make something myself they hated the fact that you know i loved acting and stuff like that they never really thought i could do anything with that in general and i try to explain to them like you know i got a job at disney i have a place to stay and i know she's a hairstylist and at walmart and of course there's walmart's like all over the world so she automatically just you know transferred there they said yes, and her car wouldn't make it. So my grandpa and my grandma, before they died, they gave me their old station wagon. And it was like with the eight track, the hand crank windows and everything. And we got $500 out of it. And once we left and everything, we had to sign a paper where we get a phone call saying that the front bumper be- fell off. So we're like, well, it's your problem now. But, but the point is, like, we're ready to go. And next thing you know, her mom changed her mind at the last second and she grew up dirt poor. She grew up in a trailer park and her parents never went to college or anything like that. And 
I try to give her a better life. And throughout my college program, my grandma died, which was my first funeral. And I was just really, you know, torn up at that time. And luckily she came to the funeral and I just knew that I wanted to marry her. And so I told my parents that, and I flew her down here. I proposed her at the castle. I got her some mini ears that says, will you marry me? Embroidered on them. And she loved them. Got her ring that was worth three grand. So it was pretty much like vending machine food and sandwiches for the last like two months or so. And ironically, she never wanted to move down here, but I just found out her and her new husband just moved down here after all that time I've tried to get her to move down here. And luckily we had like, you know, Zoom and Google chats and everything. We made it work, but the fact that I wanted to leave Oklahoma and she didn't kind of really, you know, was like, you know, the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Long distance is not easy. Switching gears, let's talk about going on dates. Someone have a story they'd like to share about a date that stands out to them? I recently uh, went out with a, a woman to, if anybody's ever heard of a Vincent Van Gogh, the artist in, yes. in LA, they have the Van Gogh experience where you can walk through a room with like his paintings on screens and it plays music and you can just sit there and immerse yourself in that environment. So, and, and this woman was a, an, an art lover, if you will. She appreciated that kind of thing. And I'm, and I'll, I'll stand in a, a museum or go to a place like that. It's not my forte or something I indulge in, but for the purpose of this date, it, I did it for her and it went well. That sounds fun. Yes. I have a crazy type of how I started my first date. So I learned this on my first mission trip. My room leader told me like, you know, grab some Tupperware and grab like a Tupperware bowl and some pieces of paper and write questions on it. Just like start a little icebreaker and everything. And more times than not, it always works and everything because it just avoids total awkwardness and just more than 75% of the girls I went out with, it worked. And of course they always wonder why is that guy has a giant you know, <laughs> Tupperware at a, and we're at a restaurant. It makes zero sense. They have to go boxes and doggy bags. <laughs> Luckily I explained to them then they understand. Oh, that's a great idea. I haven't necessarily been on dates recently, but I have kind of developed a little unique uh, strategy when I go out to eat with my grandma or a loved one or even a friend just for a fun outing. Whenever I take my grandma out for dinner to a restaurant at a hotel or any restaurant, like when we're sitting back and forth, I am pretending that she is being my date and that we are having a wonderful conversation that we can discuss things about and that we are learning what's best to have the best relationship we can have. On another scenario, I um, spent time with a friend last weekend and we went to a, uh, well, she actually was so generous to treat me to a croissant and a chocolate chip cookie from a pastry shop in Brooklyn. It was not a date. It was just a bit of a get together. 
And what I'm trying to clarify is that I pretend that these get-togethers may look like dates. Like, I treat it as if I'm kind of going out on a date where I have to learn what is important in it before the real date actually happens. So that's part of developing skills. That's how I look at it. Because even before I start dating, there are many people I want to see. And it's no different than trying to develop a unique practical skill that could possibly give you an idea of what happens before it really begins. And that's how I've learned to use my imagination in the real world. Yeah, that's great. It's like, yeah, using it as a practice run. What do you guys think are some common struggles that autistic people go through when it comes to dating? I think that they tend to focus too much on their past failures. And I have, I actually read in a book called the everything day book. There are commandments. And one of them is thou shalt not talk about thy ex. So (laughs) you're on a date with somebody, don't bring up your past relationships or reminiscing about someone from your past. Focus on the person in front of you. Act like they're the most important thing to you right now. And that will pay off big time. Also, uh, let yourself loose a little bit. I recently, uh, the woman with the Van Gogh experience, it didn't work out with me and her, but I did go on a recent date with a, a girl. We went to a pool hall and we shot a few games of pool. And she told me a little bit about some of the uh, spiritual work she does. And we had quite a connection actually headed off that night. So sometimes you get into a situation or you're with a person, you're not sure where it's going to go, but letting yourself be and see what happens, you might surprise yourself. I'd say a struggle is that we usually don't like small talk and we'd rather skip that and get to the meat of the conversation. And at least for me, and I I think for a lot of autistic people, I'll just start talking about my special interests. (laughs) I, I can't tell a short story, so I'll just keep going and going when I'm like, oh, maybe they're not interested in this topic or they want to share something. And so just like forcing myself to be aware of that. And again, because I've only ever had one boyfriend, but this goes to just other friends as well or family members, because I have to really remind myself to ask about the other person because it just doesn't come naturally to me. So I think those things can be definite challenges because if you're not self-aware or you're not reminding yourself to like, Hey, check in on the other person or, Hey, you've been talking about the subject for like 45 minutes. Maybe they want to change subjects. Um, then that could make the other person kind of feel like resentful in some ways because they feel like you're only talking about yourself or you don't care about their needs as well. Mm, Great point. I would say that a struggle is sometimes we can be too open right away and have difficulty kind of carrying on conversations because some people have asked me like, oh, what's your favorite thing to do? What's your favorite thing to see? I'm like, I don't know, or this or that. And then I kind of just drop it when in reality they want to know more, but then I don't pick up that they kind of non-verbally say like, tell me more about that. I'm like, it's just purple or red or this or that. And then let's like move on and talk about something else. But also 
I think it's important to be open and honest, but it's hard because sometimes you come off as rude because mm-hmm. my sister struggles with this sometimes when people say like, oh, my favorite movie is this. She's like, oh, I hate that movie. And she doesn't like register that as like kind of rude. She doesn't really know like the polite slash like correct response and like how other people take that. But it's also important that we kind of like train ourselves to like what they hear. So that way it can kind of like go better and we don't come off as like rude because they can think that sometimes. Mm. We don't know if they like us or not. Yeah, it can be hard to tell sometimes funny story about me like i can t- like if i'm watching a tv or movie i'm gonna be like oh yeah that she definitely likes him i can tell or like, i can see connect i can see connection but if i'm like an actual date i'm just taking a shot out of the dark i mean usually when i talk to people i do kind of like improv as well because like sometimes i don't really know how to communicate with them and I've got one more commandment. Uh, thou shalt keep thy phone in thy pocket. <laughs> if we get bored, we want to whip it out and start texting people, looking at websites. Leave that aside and focus on the person in front of you. They'll love you for that. Phone in the pocket. Okay, going back with what Mary said at the beginning, I'm you're like too open. So like I'm too open and too honest. So I'll be like blurting out stuff that the other person probably doesn't want to hear. Cause it's like real personal information. And it just doesn't register. Like I have no problem talking about like, you know, like pooping and my struggles with it. Oh, that's so gross. That's so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but other people may not want to hear that, but that doesn't register. And then, um, like Mary was saying, like, we can come off as really rude because we're just being honest, but in society, maybe we're more supposed to be polite than honest. Another thing that I personally struggle with is opening up to new people. I usually don't really open up to someone unless I like really trust them. So when I'm meeting a new person, it usually takes me like a couple weeks to be like completely honest with them. Then, like, the more I trust them, the more I kind of, like, open up and become, like, a little too real with them. But, um, (laughs) like, the first couple, like, days and weeks, I'm kind of, like, I'm a block. You don't really see me. You don't really get to know too much of me yet. One thing that I want to add, when I was doing a bit of reading yesterday from somebody else's relationship experiences, this person says, be direct, upfront, and clear to the point don't rush with it take your time with it write down some flashcards about maybe some of your hopes but also don't just keep it out on yourself also go backwards and think carefully about what the other person is saying and another challenge is reading social cues that lead to better understanding the unwritten rules. And one thing that I look for in a relationship or that I would always look for is direct communication. The one thing that upsets me and can be hard for me to experience, even though it will happen at times, is some people will use polite gestures and hide their true feelings And that would annoy me because I don't want to be expected to know how you feel 
unless if you tell me clearly and directly, if you're communicating with me indirectly, then that's not going to do any good. So don't expect me to know how you feel if you choose to not reveal your true feelings. And there's one specific phrase that I want to emphasize. This is in relationships, but not just relationships. Everything in reality in and of itself. Don't let the grind stop you. Let the process get you there. If you can apply that, then that will absolutely lead to a successful relationship. Got it. And yeah, on the topic of communication and wanting that directness on your side, which I can imagine is very helpful for autistic people who prefer to be told things straight away. Do you guys have any other tips for neurotypical people who are dating autistic people? I do. I get this a lot sometimes. Surprisingly, they're just told you're not autistic enough because like they try to compare me to this person, that person. And of course, it's just a so broad, it's a broad scale. And besides dating, a story about this is when I first moved here, I auditioned for a spinoff show of Love on the Spectrum. And I made it to the second round for interviews. And the producer just told me, you're not autistic enough. We're just looking for more, you know, people who are more low functioning, more disabled ratings, mainly just sell, sell, sell. That's terrible. Seems like for even with dating, like to, they're just like, you don't look autistic or you don't seem autistic. Like, like I've seen rain man, I've seen big bang theory and atypical and that new show on Amazon. What is the name of that new show on Amazon? As we see it. Uh, as we yes. see it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, uh, yes, society seems to have some kind of expectation or paradigm, if you will, of what autism is, what it looks like, what it sounds like. And when we don't fit that paradigm or that description, then we're thought of as less. And that's an injustice to us. And we're still learning a lot about relationships. And it's not one size fits all or one universal approach. You have to adapt accordingly and see what you've got with the person you're with. and that's not always natural for us when we have to adapt or think of something else or reevaluate our approach, roll with the punches, or what, whatever you might want to call it. And that's what causes a lot of relationships to go south when we're out of options or sometimes we're too open. We, a lot of us do wear our hearts on our sleeve. We're too loving to a fault at times to where there are, I've learned there are people out there who use us like we're a means to an end or they want us to pay for everything so they can get a free meal or free something and and there's no or little give and take so the two-way street of where one person's doing giving the other person's doing giving the other person's doing taking and you're doing some taking so it's reciprocity that might not exist and what's worse is when we're raised to think that some abuse that we've been taken is okay where someone speaks to you a certain way or does something to you and they justify it and you're made to think that that's all right without you saying, no, don't treat me like that. Or I don't, I don't appreciate that. 
So we have to look out for number one sometimes when our relationships are on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the biggest issues with like neurotypicals dating autistic people, I would say don't make like plans out of the blue. Because a lot of autistic people aren't fans of like spontaneous change. I know that's something I don't like. Even if it's like my parents just like, hey, you want to go to Target in the next five minutes? No, I want to do my schoolwork, which I specifically plan from 10 to 12 p.m. Like, I don't have time to just go to Target spontaneously, you know? And I feel like in a relationship with an autistic person, you have to be very clear and precise, like, oh, would you like to go to Target tomorrow after your schoolwork? And then I would say, yes, I would love to go with you. But I'm not a fan of like, let's just do this like randomly without even thinking about it. I think that's something that needs to be addressed in kind of inter-diverse relationships, like a neurotypical person with an autistic person. That's a great point. Yeah, I really, I love that you said that. I had a a previous client where my client was autistic and she was dating a guy that was neurotypical. And she was like, you know, we just got into a fight because he randomly popped up at her house thinking it was something sweet, brought flowers and said, you know, let's get dressed and go to dinner. And she did not want to do that. And, you know, he was like, I'm trying to, you know, he called it, you know, just date like regular people. And that statement that he made did not sit well with her either because she's like, well, I'm not a regular people or regular person rather. But I do have a question for you guys. And I I think it will be something that I'm curious to know as well is adult clients that I have had. I often get a lot when they they'll say that their significant other that is neurotypical sometimes can treat them like they're a therapist because they're trying to adapt to their needs and, you know, identify coping skills. Do you guys have any kind of like tips that would be helpful to not fit, like have your partner understand you, but not treat you as if you're one of their clients? I hope that question makes sense. And if I'm understanding it correctly, I think uh, it seems like there's some kind of preconceived notion, like some people might get married and one person might think, oh, I'll fix the spouse or I'll make the spouse the person I want them to be in this marriage. Mm-hmm. That usually leads to a breakdown in that marriage. So I think if you come into the, a relationship thinking you're going to fix somebody or they're not all right the way they are, and if there's something they're doing that's bothering you, that, that gets addressed, but not to the point where it's like, you have to change, then you have a better probability of success and because we want to be accepted and loved as we are that's something that i think society needs to know more of and and yes you can certainly bring things that might bother you to our attention and we will address that when we cross that bridge but as a rule of thumb don't come into a relationship saying i'll make him the way i want him to be or something that's not cool Mm -hmm. great question kia David, you have something to say? There are some things that that I specifically agree with, and I am going to be doing a bit of quoting from a wonderful inspiration who's in our group, and it's so hard to reach out to, Dr. Carrie Magro. 
some of the things that he wishes other people knew, I agree with Art, give us time to process small or big time decisions. Don't expect us to decide things very quickly. You may need time to think about what is best, but so do we. That's leveling the playing field. It's also like you would go out to eat or go out to a movie. Split it 50-50 by saying, okay, I paid for the dinner at this time. Now you should pay for the movie tickets this time. It's like, don't expect that one person to just treat you to every single thing. It's called learning to split it 50-50. But most importantly, love is love, no matter what. And the big thing is, even if we don't make eye contact with you, which is something I, I admit that I can struggle with at times, that does not mean I don't love you. I still love you even if I don't look directly at you. And the other thing that I concur with is that love is love no matter what. We may do things that look awkward, but that doesn't deny the fact that we are driven to be loving, accepting. We want you to be a part of our world. If you don't, that's okay. But we are thriving like everyone is, to be loved and accepted for who we are. If I love and accept you for who you are, you must do the same for me. And don't ever feel rushed about this. It's not just autistic people. There can be other neurotypicals who struggle with eye contact, which is completely true. That does not mean that you should assume I'm autistic just because I'm not looking at you. There are different things and awkward actions should not lead you to making a judgment by saying that you're doing something weird that I should not be dating you or such and such. That's not a natural thing. I confess, I still do actions that can look weird, like biting my nails or trying to clean out my nose, but that doesn't deny the bigger picture. I'm a loving, accepting, and sweet person, and I do whatever it takes to love somebody I can find, even if it may not be that one person. So love is love, no matter what. Thanks, David. All right. And in our last few minutes here, I did want to touch on a topic, which maybe is kind of appropriate, but comes from the end of a relationship is a breakup. And, you know, it can be hard to deal with for anyone. But if you guys have any tips or stories you want to share on that topic. I do. So my last relationship, the family that was, you know, very ritzy and their daughter was autistic and pretty much she came from a really, I would call it dysfunctional family. Do we have any Harry Potter fans here? Yeah. Imagine if, her mom was like Lucius Malfoy and her dad looked just like Uncle Vernon. Imagine if they had a kid. I know what that means. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I do as well. 
I'm a big Harry Potter fanatic. Pretty much her home life was just so insane because mom, she grew up in all Catholic boarding school and got dumped there. Dad just had a lot of stereotypes based off where he came from. Her younger brother left the country because he was just tired of them. And his parents were mad at him because they had a grandchild and they didn't want to have any grandkids. And their dad told me, I don't want any grandkids from you. And one night, it was the week of my ex-girlfriend's tennis match for Special Olympics, and she is in state. And I found out she lost every single one of her matches. And she wouldn't let me go because her coach wouldn't let me, even though it was an open event. I get a phone call from her, and yet her parents are feeding her lines over the phone saying, we need to break up. And I'm like, why? She says, well, I just don't find you attractive anymore. And of course, I just hear that her mom just whispering lines to her. And I'm like, Brittany, are you really sure about this? Because there is no going back. And I can hear your parents feed me these lines. Just let you know. She's like, yeah, I am sure. So I'm like, well, you know what? In reality, I could see this coming a mile away because there was a lot of toxicity and your parents and your tennis coach literally just let the air out of our relationship. So let's hope you find someone better. And I just wish you the best of luck. And I was up till like, you know, 4am listening to like, you know, breakup songs, mainly Taylor Swift, who will never, ever, ever getting back together. And pretty much it took my parents, former friends that I was friends with back then, my youth pastor, just to put me back together because she broke me and her dad broke me before and I was so indecisive. Like I didn't know which way to turn. Like if I was going to work or something that it was just out of control. And a year later she calls me and says, Hey, the reason why I broke up with you is because my parents made me. I'm like, duh, I could hear them. And the poor girl, she's really good at tennis and her parents make her practice nonstop around the clock. And she never really has any like any time for like socializations or anything like anything like that. And her mom literally almost called the cops on us on our first date because my phone went dead and I told her we we're gonna see a movie. And luckily I was able to charge it and I'd send pictures of everywhere we're going that it just felt like I was dating not I would feel like I wasn't dating her. I was dating her parents and her tennis coach and Everyone the next day in Special Olympics kept on saying, why'd you dump her? Why'd she break up with you? And I'm like, guys, not now. Just feels like when you marry an autism family, it just needs to be like they need to realize you have autism too, even if you are high functioning. And like when I say 50-50, a perfect example is one time I forgot, like I was short on money and I asked her if she can pay and her mom had the biggest cow in the world. It was just that one time. And I'm like, look. My family's not rich enough to buy Nature's Table franchise so your daughter can have a job. Thank you for sharing. Uh, so, gang, back to the topic of breakups. I And to make my story of the woman from Illinois f- full circle here. After I broke up with her, a few years later, through the grapevine, I heard that my ex-girlfriend was actually into women. So, imagine... Had I never known that or had I stayed with her longer when 
deep down, she really preferred the company of women. Everything happens for a reason. Every relationship teaches us something about ourselves. And when we are more mindful of what we can learn from these relationships, what we can improve upon ourselves going forward and look out for the signs, if you will, hopefully not make the same mistakes you have in the past. That's how I deal with breakups and just knowing that there is someone out there for me. And I'm going to keep my head held high and know that there is someone that will appreciate and love me for me. And that's what keeps me going despite multiple breakups from my past. Can I touch quickly back um, to your advice to neurotypicals dating autistic people? So I wanted to mention this kind of uh, along the lines of what David was saying with the, if I don't make eye contact with you, it doesn't mean I don't love you. For me, I'm really bad at making eye contact, but I don't like being touched and I don't like giving physical touch. So I have to like remind myself to like go give my boyfriend a kiss or a hug because one, it doesn't come natural to me. And two, I don't like it, but I know he has needs as well. So I I just give that advice that if we're not like showing you, like we're not like hugging or kissing you all the time, that doesn't mean we don't love you. It's just something that usually we don't like, or it doesn't come natural to us. So just to have patience with us and, and remind us, be like, Hey, like, can I have a kiss? Can I have a hug? I haven't had one for a while and I really want one. Um, just, yeah, just kind of like little reminders because it, it doesn't come naturally to us, but that in no way says that we don't love you. It's just not how maybe we show our love. Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Do you guys know about the love languages? Yes. yes. I'm going yes. to Sephora on Saturday. Some people show their love through gift giving, some people through words of affirmation and some through physical touch. So yeah, everyone's different. That's a great reminder. And Tom, just to comment on what you said about breakups, I think that's really wise to look for the learning opportunity and what you can take away from that experience with that person. I think a lot of times when breakups can be messy, it's really easy to become resentful or to start blaming people for things. But at the end of the day, if you kind of flip it on its head and look at it from a place of gratitude and just be thankful for the moments that you did share with that person, especially you know if maybe you're married and it's a divorce and kids are involved, like that can be really hard to deal with. But if you're just looking at it from the perspective of growth, then um, you can walk away from it more positively. Most definitely. And as, as a coach, it's, I feel my, for lack of a better word, duty to look for that silver lining, find that opportunity for improvement, see what good came out of what you've experienced. Cause there's, it's not always all bad. There's, it must be some little golden nugget or something that you enjoyed during that time that you can kind of reminisce on or do going forward. And just as it takes two to form a relationship, it takes two to break one as well. So it's not always just one person's fault. You have to look Mm -hmm. at yourself and think, what did you do to allow this to go on? Or what should you have done in the past that you will do in the future to stop that from happening again? So it it takes a lot of self-awareness and Mm -hmm. self-reflection relationships. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
going back to like breakups and how Tom was saying, like, you can take something good and put it forward. And when you're feeling like really sad, like you were saying, Rachel, like really resentful and everything. My friend, um, Todd always likes to use the saying, this too shall pass regardless of how terrible everything looks. And you may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, it will pass and it might take a while, but you will come out of it and there is more good things to come. Yeah. I love that everyone now in the chat is writing what their love languages are. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Great. Okay. So any last words on dating and relationships before we close out? I'll make a quick plug and then you can end it, David. So I'm going to be co-presenting at the Ed Asner Family Center starting on Monday, February 28th with The Dating Spectrum. This is a workshop intended for adults on the autism spectrum to find love and relationships. So I'll be sharing some stories and some experiences in that uh, eight-week workshop. It's called The Dating Spectrum. Thank you. Um, Can you drop that reminder in the community when you get a chance? Yes, I will. That'll be great. Okay, thank you. And uh, Tom, you also mentioned another dating group called Meetup. Can you please post that in the community as well? Meetup isn't necessarily a dating group. It's more like for to form friendships or like a, a group or camaraderie, like a bunch of people who love to go uh, like to wineries or to hike local trails or to you might form uh, a romantic relationship within the people you meet. But Meetup in general as a whole is not. Oh, now forming site. Yeah, now, now I better understand it. But as I said earlier, and I'm very redundant about this. Some people get annoyed and some people don't, but don't let the grind stop you. Let the process get you there. And I think all of us together in this call are doing exactly that thing in our own ways. There is no one specific path to achieve something in a relationship. And if you just think it's there's just one way to get it done, then your relationship won't last very long. You have to walk through multiple tunnels. You have to be open to other parts of the sea. You, you may have to like kind of try a new food or a new drink. You may or may not like it, but a relationship is not done in one thing. And yes, you may begin it. And when it begins, after you find it, after you complete certain steps, it's a never ending grind. It just continues at its own way. Either you work at it effectively or put in some noble effort you don't, then it's nothing. So enjoy the grind and don't let the process deter you from anything. It's not just searching. It's the whole picture of dating in every quality and unwritten rule of dating. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you in the community. Okay. Thanks. Nice to meet everyone. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Dating and relationships can be uncomfortable topics for some people. 
I want to acknowledge the participants in today's episode for candidly talking about their experiences. As we continue to discuss common struggles and share new ideas, we remind others that they're not alone and that support is available. Are you a self-advocate wanting to connect with other autistic people? Or are you a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one? Are you a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice? Whatever your role related to autism is, you can join our online Global Autism community to collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.